So let's really, really keep praying uh, into these situations, folks. Uh, we will keep you up to date with what's happening with uh, all the, the stuff that's going on uh, globally. Um, but let's just pause for a little minute, uh, maybe take a step back from what's going on uh, in the world and really think about uh, what God wants to say to us today. You know, I had a different message planned for today. It was kind of like a follow-on from last week, um, but I just kind of I felt the wee nudge saying, you need, to, you need to look at this, and it just seems to me to be right. The title of the message is Look First, Look Further, and Look Fearlessly. Um, and we're going to look in, uh, if you want to get your Bibles ready, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, and we'll touch on some verses from Psalm 33 as well. So we're going to read that little verse from uh, Matthew first. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's a verse that led me kind of into uh, ministry and crusaders when I was there, like such a long time ago. <laughs> I forget how old I'm getting. But that was a key verse for me coming into uh, crusaders, seeking God first and his righteousness and all the other things will be added to us. And I want to encourage us to look first in the situation that we face just now as a nation, as nations, but also maybe the situation that you're facing personally, whatever that might be, that we look first to God. That's our first port of call, or it should be as Christians. What's the context of this verse? If you look at Matthew chapter 6, you will see that the context, that the heading in the uh, New International Version is, don't worry, okay? That's what's at the top of this little section in my Bible, don't worry. And what does it talk about? Jesus is talking to the people around him, and he says, don't worry, don't be concerned about your life. Don't be concerned about it, we'll touch on that later. Don't be concerned about food, even when you go into Tesco and the shelves are empty, or whichever shop you choose to go into. Sorry, I shouldn't be advertising one particular shop. Eh? I just happened to be in Tesco last night. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about the things you'll eat. Don't worry about your body. Whoops. A little song. I'll tune in where. It's all right, John. Don't worry about your body. And you, you see this all the time just now. People going about with the face masks and, you know, the hand gels, and we're not to worry about our body, Jesus says. Don't worry about clothing, what you wear. This is the context that he's talking about. Don't worry about these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need, and he, he knows you. He knows that the things that you need as a person, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, and he's interested in every aspect of our lives. But we've not to worry about these things, not to worry. We've to be sensible you know, and I was trying to think of an illustration, and this is what I come up with. Shoot me down if it's rubbish, but I wouldn't do what's on the screen just now, right? I wouldn't try to walk across the Niagara Falls in a tightrope because I would fall off and fall in, okay? So that's for people who are really, really gifted and skilled and have got good balance. For me, that would be a crazy thing to do. Uh, 
the things that Jesus is saying to us, not to worry, not to be fearful. Why? Because we look first to Him, because He is ultimately our source. He is ultimately our provider. He is ultimately the one who's looking after us and is in control, as we've been singing about this morning. When we were... Uh, when we were looking for financial advice, just ignore that, I should have put another slide in there. When we were looking for financial advice, um, we had to do a survey. And the survey was to find out just how risk averse you were. Are you a person who's happy taking risks or are you at the opposite end of the scale where you don't want to take any risks? And we began to fill out this survey um, before we got financial advice so they'd know what to, to kind of advise us based on how we felt about uh, our money and stuff like that. And uh, at the end of the process, I thought I would be in the risk-averse area, okay, as opposed to the, the risk-taker area. And actually, to my surprise, the survey answered that I was probably somewhere in the middle, you know, happy to take risks but measured and calculated um, and, and the reality is that the world is full of people, some of whom are risk takers, the young people who've got lots of energy <laughs> and who've got no responsibilities other than themselves. Oh, I wish I was young again. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. And, that, and that's a joke as well. I'm joking about that. But there's a sense in which when we're younger, and no disrespect, guys, when we're younger, we've got less to lose. Then when we begin to get older, we have responsibilities. I have responsibilities for our family, for uh, church and stuff like that. And as we get older, we, we kind of tend to take on more things and carry more things. Therefore, there are more things at stake when we measure whether or not we're going to take a risk in certain things. And, and that makes us really uh, think about things. Also, when we get older, sometimes we'll, we lose a bit of confidence um, and we're just not feeling that we are able to take those steps that we maybe would have done 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And, and so we become a bit uh, more kind of cautious in our approach. But I think the thing that we need to realize here is that Jesus was encouraging us not to worry about the practical things of life. He knows our need. And I can testify to this time and time and time again that God has come and answered to prayer and met my need, our needs even in great difficulty. And what is on the screen there is, is saying, when we seek God first, our attitude is upward. It's very, very easy to kind of look out this way at what's happening. And I'm not pointing at you guys. I'm talking about the, the world in general. But I think, I think God is encouraging us to look upward and to look to Him and to look in faith. We're challenged to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, even in the middle of the storms of life. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, Peter often gets criticized for taking his eyes off of Jesus and for beginning to sink, and he shouts out for help. You know, he's, he's walking on the water, he's got out of the boat, and he's, he's sinking, and he shouts out to Jesus for help, and Jesus kind of gives him a bit of a rebuke for his lack of faith, and he comes along and he picks him up. But here's the thing. Peter had the faith to listen, to hear Jesus' voice, and to step out the boat, and to actually walk in water. Man, I've tried walking in water. It doesn't work. In fact, I had a pair of waders on at the time, and they filled up with water, and I couldn't get back out, 
in that loch, and it was quite cold. And I realized, actually, when you try to walk in water, you sink. <laughs> Wait till it's icy, that's a good idea. But Peter actually walked in water. I learned to swim after that, by the way. That was the occasion where I nearly wasn't here, and uh, Robert Cook taught me how to swim. Thank you, Robert. You did? You've forgotten that? But Peter actually walked in water. He had the faith and the courage to look to Jesus and to step out and to walk in water. That's an incredible thing. Let's look first to God. Let's look further and longer to gain God's perspective. You see, it's so easy for us to become wrapped up in ourselves. But we need to look further. We need to look further than our own circle. We've been reading that book, uh, Draw the Circle. How big is your circle? Let me ask the question, how big is your circle? See, I think, I think for me, my circle needs to be bigger than my family, my health, my job, my house, my car, my savings, my investments. A pretty small circle around the investments, by the way. But you get what I'm saying? Our circle needs to be bigger than just ourselves. We need to look further to see what God sees. We don't always see what God sees. And it's sometimes because we're so wrapped up in our own circumstances and we don't always understand what God is trying to say to us, maybe even in those circumstances. And as I said last week, in the circumstances, we need to ask and keep on asking. That's the sense of the, the phrase there. We need to ask and keep on asking. Let's never tire of asking God. We need to seek and keep on seeking. We need to knock and keep on knocking. We need to keep coming before God. And I sometimes pray this prayer, Lord, help me to see what you see and learn what I can to allow character to develop within me, even through the circumstances. Sometimes God is at work in the circumstances, shaping us, changing us, molding us, we're so desperate to get out of the circumstances, and actually God's maybe want to show us some things when we're there. And there's this little verse in Philippians that's going to come up on the screen in chapter 2, verse 4, where it says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do you know, really in the shops, they shouldn't need to put a limit on what people buy because we should be sensible and we should think about other people because we're instructed in the Bible to love our neighbor. Aren't we? To love our neighbor. Loving our neighbor means we need to think about that other person. Think about the person who's coming after you in the queue. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think it's interesting that this says, look not only to your own interests, it's not saying that there's anything wrong with managing your own affairs and your own interests and the things that concern you and your life and your family. You see, that's, that's realistic. We need to look out for ourselves. But we also need to look out at the same time for the interests of others. Jesus was asked, what are the most, what's the most important commandment? Love God and love your neighbor. The second's like it, you know. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And so we need to come to a place where we recognize God, that God is a God of love, that He comes into our hearts. We need to be able to love ourselves, and some people find that challenging. But we need to be able to love God and love ourselves in order to love our neighbor. We need to get the whole picture. And the context of this passage in Philippians chapter uh, 2 is about being Christ-like. And it's really an incredible passage that shows us the attitude of Jesus, who became a servant Imagine the God who created the universe. Jesus was at the very beginning saying, let there be. He was the expression of the Father. John tells us that when the world was created, Jesus was there and was active in the process. And here he comes in the form of a human being to earth. And I just think it's, in one sense, utterly ridiculous that this massive God should come into the world as a human being. This passage talks about the humility of Jesus, the love of Jesus. God coming to earth in a human body, the length to which he would go to redeem a lost world. And I just think it's incredible. And in this context, in this example, what the apostle is saying to us is we need to adopt the same attitude, looking not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And when we care about others, our attitude is outward. In the days in which we live, we have an opportunity to demonstrate the values of a different kingdom, a kingdom whose king is Jesus. We have the opportunity at this point in time in our society to demonstrate a different set of values, an otherly-minded set of values. It was summed up in uh, something that I found on Facebook. Uh, I was on Facebook the other day and came across this, a letter from a pastor to his congregation. don't know if you've saw this. Dear everybody, since I've not pastored people through a pandemic before, I don't know all the answers but I'm paying attention to science and praying for wisdom. Together, we'll take courage, be patient, consider the least of these, and press on while loving our neighbors, your pastor. P.S. Wash your hands. <laughs> I thought it was funny. The reality is that we move forward into situations and circumstances that we have no control over. We don't know all the answers. We don't know all the ins and outs but we have a God who knows and who will guide us. But then we need to look further still, not only to those who are around us, we must keep eternity in our minds as well, because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has put eternity in the heart of man. Even people who don't believe in God, God has placed something in every single person on the planet that has the question about eternity. And if we're really honest, we ask these questions, whether we're believers or not. Peter Cochran uh, used this expression, I'm an eternal spirit trapped inside a human body. That's the way he framed it. I quite like that. But we need to keep our eye on the fact that we are more than just flesh and blood. We're more than just what we appear on the outside. There's something deeper on the inside, and God is interested in the whole thing. I heard a story uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was our national leader, Glenn Barrett, 
who is now leading Assemblies of God in the UK. And he talked about um, a situation he had with his son when he was young. The, the, the wee boy was just kind of like maybe about five or something like that, that kind of age. And he's got a cup up at one end of the, the room and he's got a wee ball and he's trying to roll the ball into the cup and he keeps missing. And so he says to his dad, he says to Glenn, can you have a go? And so Glenn gets the ball, he takes it in his hand and he aims and lo and behold, the ball goes in the cup. And he, this is what he says, he took his t-shirt, put it over his head and he was running around the living room going, yay. That's a hero moment for a dad, by the way. <laughs> and then he said to his son, because he was just like amazed, how, how did you do that? He says, well, I learned this when we were playing golf, that if you want to get the ball in the hole, you've got to aim beyond the hole. And so the wee boy, he gets up, he has a try, he's looking beyond the cup, rolls the ball, and lo and behold, the ball goes in the cup. He takes his t-shirt off his head, he runs around the living room just like his dad, and then there's this big kind of massive macho man moment. <laughs> and I thought, what a great story that helps us to think, actually, we need to look beyond our circumstances sometimes. We need to look beyond ourselves. We need to look beyond what's happening, even our own life. We're encouraged not to worry about that, not to be concerned about that, to put God first, because we have an eternal perspective. There's more to life than just the life that we live here in the body. And there's a sense in which when we find ourselves in God's immediate presence, that it will be a far greater reality than even this one. Incredible. Look first to God. Look further to others. And remember to look further still that we have an eternal perspective. And thirdly, look fearlessly. Do you know, there have been so many things in the last 20 years that would cause us to have fear rise in our hearts. Let me just jog your memory. There was Y2K. Does anybody remember that? The millennium and all the things that were going to happen at the millennium. Then there was anthrax, 9-11, SARS, bird flu, E. coli, a collapsing financial market back in 2008, swine flu, North Korea threatening to blow up the world, ISIS, and that's only to name a few of the things that have happened in the last 20 years. And what happens is that fear rises in our hearts. And the truth is that if we allow fear to rise within our hearts, that's what's going to kill us. It's allowing fear to rise within us. I sometimes think maybe we should spend less time watching TV and more time praying. Because when we watch TV, we get consumed by what's around and what people want to tell us. I mentioned earlier that we're taking what's going on seriously, not necessarily through listening to the news all the time, listening to media, but by going to sources where we can get factual information and make good decisions. The problem these days is that we have information overload. And this, can, this has concerned me for years as a Christian. What am I actually responsible for in terms of, you know, what, what's God calling me to, to pray into and really to take ownership of in prayer? Because the reality is that I switch on my TV and I see the news coming from all parts of the world and all sorts of situations that are really, really deep. And I think... I can't, I can't actually in my heart find a place to really seriously pray for all these things. And 
the, 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 I think we can have this information overload that causes harm to our, our very being. I, I don't think we're ever designed to have all this stuff going through our heads, you know. You switch on a mobile device and you can look at the internet and you can access so much. Our TVs are filled with one report after the other, after the other, after the other. Um, ad nauseum. I, I just don't watch the, the news and stuff like that late at night. My, my, my brain can't handle it. I don't want to be handling it at that time of night. And I try to get my news uh, often these days through the internet. You know, we have information overload. And I, I think that information overload feeds some of the fears that we have, some of the problems that we have as society. You know, I remember the days where there was something called Brexit happening. Did I say that last week? Do you remember that? It's a dim and distant memory. It's like, why are they not talking about that anymore? And, uh, well, there you go. But what does the, the Bible say? Psalm, chapter, Psalm 33 says this, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him, on those whose hope is in His unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Incredible passage. The context is that this psalm is a psalm of praise to God. The fact that God sees you, that God looks at you, that God looks at your life and is interested. And it says that here that He will deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. And I was thinking, what, what is the equivalent today? What is our famine? Or what could it potentially be? Common sense, a famine of common sense. Like I say, we all take a different approach to things. Some people are like, well, you know, what's that manana manana phrase? Is that it? And some people get really concerned, and I'm, I'm listening to both ends of the, the spectrum, you know, and trying to make some decisions. But perhaps one of the, the sources of famine, and it's not the empty shelves, is the social isolation that could potentially. Uh, occur as a result of where we are. And if we're serious about looking first to God and looking further to our neighbor, then maybe we need to think actually, maybe this is a time for us to demonstrate the love of God in the situations that people are facing. We do have one thing that we can still use, a phone, and not to text in. Is there anything that I can get for you? If somebody is isolated, if they have to self-isolate, we have the opportunity as brothers and sisters, as family, as friends, to say, can I help you with something? We can do that safely, but we can still do something to help and look out for each other. We don't want people to be socially isolated. We want people to feel included. And we may even, if things get really bad, consider how we do church and you know, potentially stream uh, a service or a message uh, through Facebook and stuff like that. Then I think about the poor in our nation who are going to be even worse off in these difficult situations. And we need to consider our response to that in this situation, at this time. And I think the food bank is going to have a vital role in the coming weeks and months. And we have the opportunity to get behind that. There's an organization a structure that allows us to give what people need to those people at a specific time when they need it. We have a structure already in place. There's a warehouse. I don't know how the stocks are doing these days. 
So there's a job that we can do. We can help put packs together. Um, we could potentially help deliver a pack to somebody who's isolated, who can't get out. There are things that we can do practically that demonstrate the love of God in our community. But we need to continue to look through the eyes of faith. Let me encourage us to do that once again. You see, it's easy to take on the face of our fears. The things that we're looking at and then they start to get inside us and start to affect us, and we start to become the thing that we're fearing. I encourage us to take on the face of our faith today. Second Corinthians 5, 7, I'll quote it again, unashamedly, we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't understand why this is happening, but I know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. God can bring good out of bad situations. And I came across recently, but it was a good number of weeks ago, if not months ago, a quote by a, a pastor in uh, Bethel Church, Bill Johnson. And this is what he says, I don't know that there has ever been a time when courage and faith were more needed, not because the, of the darkness, but because of the realm of God's promises that linger over the church, waiting for someone to see it, believe it, and say yes to what could be. I've been talking a lot about the things that God is saying and it's unfolding bit by bit. But we need to have courage and faith in these times. God is in the process of establishing his kingdom, his rule here on earth. That's why Jesus was sent. That's why we exist as the church. He's in the process of building the church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. We need to rise up as people with courage and faith and I'm well aware of the darkness, by the way. I'm well aware of the things that are going on in our society. But I think, what are we focusing on? Are, we need to speak into that sometimes, and we need to do it wisely, all the stuff that's going on in our society amongst leaders. and We need to speak into that wisely. But I think our first port of call is to look first to God and to look second to others. The psalmist continues in this psalm, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. It's all about Him. It's all about putting Him first. It's all about seeking Him first, seeking God and His righteousness. Almost finished. I came across this just yesterday. The words of Corey Ten Boom, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. I loved that. I thought that was great. It summed up my message as I came to a conclusion. And when we hope in his unfailing love, our attitude is onward. Upward, outward, and onward. The church has a mission. We need to keep up that mission. We need to keep looking at what God wants to do in us and through us as individuals, as families. We need to support each other in prayer. We really, really need to support uh, the Snedden family in prayer. They need our prayers. Really, they do. And there are so many other situations where people are struggling and people need our prayers. People who can't get out. Um, people who are vulnerable. Outward to should, should first be upward to God. 
Find out what God is saying in the situation, outward to others, and then onward in the mission that God has called us to. Let's just pray. Musicians can maybe come back up and uh, we'll finish off our service through worshiping God again. Father, we just thank you that you are in control. Father, that nothing takes you by surprise. Father, we thank you that your heart is for us, that you love us. And Father, your ways, Lord, your ways are beyond our ways. We don't understand them. We don't understand sometimes why even things like this happen, why you allow there to be things in the world which causes harm. But Lord, we recognize that uh, the world isn't what you intended it to be. Mm. And there are things in our world which uh, bring destruction and don't glorify you. And Father, that was never your intent and purpose to start with. But Father, that's the world that we live in, and we pray that you'd help us to be all that you call us to be in this world. Father, help us to look up first to you, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Father, to look out to others, not only our interests, but also to the interests of others. And Father, we pray that you'd cause us to put our hope in you. Father, to be fearless, to be those who would walk into your plans and purposes for our lives. And so, Father, we just pray that you would come and help us to put these things into practice. Father, we just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.